So today's title is Grace is the Greatest Promise. There's a rainbow. When I pick out the photos that uh, you, I put on the screen here, uh, I, I keep it simple. I, I have an idea, a word or something. I Google it and poke through all the pictures there and the images and find something I like. And I like this one. Um, it's a nice rainbow. And I, I like the, the contrast of the bright grass and the, the, the gray and blue clouds in the back. And that tree's beautiful, but what's on the tree? There's a tree swing. I think that's awesome. And, and what that demonstrates is that while a rainbow is the result of a storm, sometimes a very big, perhaps even a violent storm, like I share with the children, and we can look at big and deep concepts in Scripture, and some of what we're going to touch on today is, is kind of deep, but it always comes back to the most basic and simplest things that even a child who enjoys being on a tire swing can understand. That, that God is there and He cares. And whenever we're going through those dark times and waiting for the clouds to get over and hoping we're going to see a rainbow or something good at the end, remember that God is there and He still cares. And He always cares. And the greatest promise that we have in all of Scripture is the grace given to us through Jesus Christ. Grace is that, is a gift. It cannot be earned. It cannot be bought. So let's focus together on, on this theme this morning. This is a, a New Testament scholar named um, C.K. Barrett, a, a Methodist scholar. He passed away about 10, 12 years ago. But I like what he says here in regard to this passage. He says, it is when human hope is exhausted that God-given hope comes into effect. In the midst of human death and non-existence, it looks to God who quickens and creates. I'm going to use a, a Greek word here called ex nihilo. That word means literally out of nothing. Now, have you ever heard that word before? But it comes through our scriptures literally from the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God spoke, and his word brought light, and his light brought life. That was the beginning. So out of nothing, ex nihilo, is how God created. There was no raw materials that were already there that God said, well, I have, I got, I got some rocks and water and some stuff over here, so I'm going to mix this together and make the universe. No, it came from his word. It came with light. That's how it began. And no matter what you think about um, the beginnings of all life, and, and I, I love that science continually um, examines this and, and, and theorizes about it. And I, I like the, the show on, on one of the cable channels, how the universe works and these really brilliant, um, what are they, Cos, cosmo something, not, not cosmetologists, <laughs> but they study the cosmos. 
and all the mysteries in the universe and things like black holes and supernovas and dark matter. And I don't understand half of what they're saying, but it's just fascinating to understand as best we can, little as we can, about our world and our solar system and our galaxy and the rest of the universe, which is mind-boggling and overwhelming. But you know what it comes back to is this, that it all had to start somewhere. And the theory of the Big Bang is, is, is a fine theory, but the stuff for the Big Bang had to come from somewhere. And the Bible dares to tell us from the opening page, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Those first four words of the Bible make a statement. It's not saying that science is all wrong. It's just saying, okay, this is how it began. God lit the match for a Big Bang if there was a Big Bang. All right? Any way you want to look at it. Ex nihilo. Out of nothing, God created. But we also see this concept in other places in Scripture, which is going to lead us back here in, into Romans 4, the birth of Isaac. Ex nihilo. Out of nothing. It's pretty cruel here what, um, what Paul writes here about, about uh, Abraham. He was as good as dead. <laughs> in terms of having a child, he should have been. And his wife, they are way too old. They're way too old today. They're way too old then. So out of no chance of having a child, a child comes. Out of a body that should not be able to produce a child, there's a child. So we'll come back to that in a moment, but it's the same idea that, that out of something that, that shouldn't have happened or that can't happen, out of, the, out of the mystery, out of the darkness, life happened because God made it so. And we'll see why in a moment. The birth of Jesus is very similar. Although this time a, a very young woman, Mary, but nonetheless, we understand the, the biology. Humanity's understood this for quite a long time that you need male and female to produce life, not just in human beings. So how is it that this woman would have a child? How is it that a virgin would give birth? That's impossible. That's nothing. And yet, there it is, ex nihilo. Out of nothing comes the Son of God because God intervened and made it so. How about the resurrection? Perhaps the deepest darkness, the deepest mystery is death. Because we who are alive have to ponder that. That, that someday, this existence here in this world that we're blessed to live on, for all of its troubles and, and difficulties, there's still so much beauty and joy that can be drawn from it and is drawn from it. But this is going to end. Then what? Back into darkness? Back into nothingness? Jesus goes into that darkness off of the cross, which we're going to, to look at in these next few weeks. And, and by the way, I, I, Linda, Linda puts together the announcements, and Jason announces them, and then I forgot to tell them to do this. Um, we're going to have a communion service on um, what's called Maundy Thursday. So a week from this Thursday, the Thursday before, before Easter, the, the night before Good Friday, uh, you're welcome to come here to have communion service. And um, so that, that's on, um, again, a week from Thursday, I guess that's the 6th. But Jesus 
went into the deepest darkness. Jesus confronted the greatest and deepest mystery of all, death itself, and, by the way, took our sin with him, left it there, and came back alive. Out of nothing, ex nihilo, is the risen Lord Jesus Christ. So this, this ex nihilo isn't just something that we see in Genesis 1. It's a concept, and, and I can think of other examples in Scripture where, where, where out of nothing God creates, out of nothing God intervenes, out of nothing something beautiful happens. In the darkest moment, the rainbow comes out of nothing. So a closer look now to, to pull these four ideas that I just put up there back into Romans chapter 4. Look at the 17th verse now in terms of creation. So this isn't just Pastor Paul plugging this ex nihilo into Romans chapter 4. It's the, the apostle Paul doing so. So it's at 17th verse. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who, listen to this, who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. There's the ex nihilo. There's the out of nothing is something. This is the God we worship. This is the God we believe in. This is the God we sing praises to. This is the God we pray to. This is the God who knows you. This is the God who guides you if you have the eyes of your heart open to his guidance. Do you? Sometimes the darkness we stay in is because we choose to close our eyes. Or we choose to get so distracted continually with the things of life, unnecessarily so. The device that, that most of us have in our pocket called a smartphone is a distraction maker, isn't it? That's what it's designed to do, to interrupt your life. Now, sometimes you need that interruption, and it's okay, it's not all bad, but the, the constant possibility that you can get a notification, that itself can be a stress producer in your life. And, and, and for many of us, it does so. And, and that's just one example of, of, of distraction because we, we close our eyes to the difficulties. We close our eyes to reality. That's too big to understand or that's too scary. But when we shut down and then open our eyes to the mystery and trust God there, he shows us so much more. But then also, as the focus is in this particular chapter about Abraham and his faith, that one day this old man and his old wife would have a baby. Look down at the 18th verse once again here. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and Sarah's womb was also dead. When you read the, the scriptures in Genesis about Abraham and this story, we touched on some of that last week, when you go to the, the 12th chapter of Genesis, when Abraham is introduced, 
and he's first called by God to receive this promise, he's 75. By the time Isaac is born, he's 100. So I'm not that good with math, but I'm pretty sure that, may, that makes 25 years. <laughs> 25 years. 25 years of waiting. 25 years of getting old. He was pretty old to begin with to have a child. And as the years go on, the temptation to doubt and to give up would be a constant companion, but he didn't. He didn't cave into that. He kept on believing that one day it would happen. So when Isaac is born from a place into a people he never, no person is ever born to, this is so odd. This is so out of character. This is darkness. This is nothingness that now this boy came into. But who does that boy represent? A people of faith that began through that birth. He is the product of faith in God. God intervened to bring this child. And that child then became the nation. That child had twins named Esau and uh, what's the other guy? Jacob. <laughs> Jacob and Esau. And Jacob had big family and just went on from there. And they grew into a nation. But it began because Isaac was born. And that began because Abram didn't stop believing. In the darkness, in the doubt, he kept on going. Out of nothing, Abram's faith stayed strong. In the 16th verse, then we go back to this, this word grace, the birth of Jesus, Jesus being the person of grace, is finally born. In a way, Jesus is the fulfillment, the ultimate fulfillment of what happened with Isaac, because not only was Abraham promised to be the father of many nations, he had to have that first son, but ultimately the birth of the Messiah was the culmination of the whole promise because then, because of who Jesus is, because of what Jesus did on the cross and dying and rising again, for who? Just his own people? Just the people who are of, of the promise of the heir, the bloodline of Abraham? No, it is the promise of all, and that's what Paul is saying here. Remember, he's writing this to a church that was divided between Jewish believers in Jesus and Gentile believers in Jesus, and Paul is trying to bring them together and says, look, Abraham is father of all of you, and therefore so is Isaac. And so when Jesus is born, grace is born. Grace given to everybody. Person of grace. It says in that, in that 16th verse, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only those who are of the law, but also those who have the faith of Abraham. He's a father of us all. And then also, once again, we have the resurrection. The eternal hope begins. So see that you have all of these, these ex nihilo events, the creation when life begins, when Isaac's born, the, the people of faith begin that we are part of now, when Jesus is born, the person of grace that we makes all of that possible to bring that together, and then the eternal hope begins. And eternity isn't just something you embrace, you, you step into, walk into when you die. It is here and now. Every Sunday we say that prayer that's on that lovely poster on the wall. 
your kingdom come, your will be done. Someday when we get to heaven. No, on earth, as it is in heaven. We begin eternity now. We walk in eternity now. We, we, we taste it. We have a kind of a whiff of it. We don't get the full dose just yet. I'm looking forward to that. But there's enough to know that it's real. There's enough to know that it's lasting. There's enough to know that it's eternal. Because the one who went into death conquered it, left our sin there, and came out alive so that we can live. Eternal hope begins, verse 23 of Romans 4. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. There's the resurrection. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Out of nothing, God brings us everything. So I'm going to play with a word here. Nowhere. Have you ever felt like life was nowhere? I'm in a place of nowhere. This job is going nowhere. Maybe you're watching your favorite team, and boy, this team is going nowhere today. We, we have big and important ways and small other ways, but we use that phrase sometimes. You feel like you're nowhere. Oh, went too far, sorry. When it comes to nowhere think of it this way God is now here out of nothing he created out of nothing he just destroyed death out of nothing he loves out of nothing so whenever you have a nowhere moment a dark moment a excruciatingly difficult moment a moment filled with pain and fear and anxiety. A moment where you have a million questions and no answers. That's nowhere. And guess who's there? God is. God is now here. So just take that word nowhere and split it between the W and the H and you get now here. And, and that's what God does for us. That's part of ex nihilo, out of nothing, in that place of nothing. And, and that's the other slide you already got a peek at here. When you have nothing left, God's great love meets you right there in your nothing. Because that's exactly what separates you from him. Nothing. If you, if you go forward, amen. Yes, have an amen to that. Nothing separates you from the love of God. Nothing. When you go to Romans chapter 8, which we'll get to eventually as you go through the study, and at the end of that chapter, it's this beautiful description by Paul about what can separate us from the love of God. He poses that question knowing there is no answer to it because nothing does separate us. Not height, nor depth, nor life, nor death, nor this world or the next. Nothing separates us who are in Christ from the love of God. Nothing. So when I'm in the place of nothing, guess who's my companion? Jesus Christ. When I feel nothing, when, when pain of life and turmoil have brought me to this place of darkness, guess who's waiting there in the darkness with you? 
He's not waiting for you to get out. He's not waiting for you to fix yourself and and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go. He's saying, no, I am right there with you. The God who is there is the God that cares. Always, everywhere. So even when you feel like nowhere, even when you feel like nothing, God is there. I don't know how many moments or experiences you've had in your life that would fit that category where you didn't think it could get any worse and it did. <laughs> and it just keeps going, it seems. But at the end of that, we dare to believe in hope. Why else do we watch Great movies with exciting stories and everything's getting bad. And just when you didn't think it'd get any worse, it gets worse. And, oh boy, how is the, the, the hero of the story going to get through this time? And if the hero didn't get through, we probably wouldn't watch anymore. Because something calls us inside that says, hope at the end of darkness is real. And I believe it's real, and I believe it's there. And, and maybe if I see it in, in an Indiana Jones movie, then, you know, in some small way, I can see the more important ways that, that that concept, that truth can be lived out in my life, that I can get through. Why? Because God is with you in the pain. God is with you in the darkness. God is with you when you're nowhere. God is with you when you feel like nothing. Amen? Amen. The day I got a diagnosis for cancer, I had a moment of nothing. I had a moment of fear. I had a moment of pain and anxiety. But God met me right there. And I can honestly say now, it's only been like a month. (laughs) A month, six weeks or so later, I'm glad that it happened. It has, it has enriched my heart, my life, my mind in a way that I can just try to describe to you. And, and I just know that, first of all, I physically feel better. I honestly do feel better now than I did two months ago. And trusting God, choosing to trust God in that moment when I'm reading on my computer what this diagnosis is and understand it as best I could without the doctor's description, which of course I got. But in that moment, it's dark, it's frightening, it's scary, but God met me there and I'm better for it. And not just because I had the surgery and they got everything and I'm obviously very glad for that. But even if it went a whole different direction, I, I honestly believe I would feel the same way right now in terms of trusting God and and being thankful that he gave me this experience to know him better in the nowhere, to know him better in the nothing. And he can do that the same for you. And many of you you, he has already done that for in in countless ways that we've shared here in these, these words of praise and these times of prayer over the years. And we'll certainly do so going forward because the God who brought life out of nothing, who called existence, who, who took Jesus out of death and into life is also with you everywhere, always. Let's pray. Father, may your presence in us, through us, around us be evident even when the fear comes, 
even when the fear and the darkness, even perhaps right now someone's facing a dark time, a difficult moment where they want to feel what I'm talking about, what you showed me, but they're not there yet, Lord. Meet them, Jesus. Meet them right now, right here, in that pain, in that darkness, in that big question mark, that difficulty, anxiety, wherever it might be. And let them know that you're there and that you care, always. In your name, amen. Amen.